So I guess what we'll do tonight is we'll look at, uh, I want to look at the idea of uh, waging war in our flesh. As we get ready for school, as we get ready to engage in the, the hallways that we're in, the places we go, uh, there's a battle. And that battle is genuinely serious for your heart, for your mind, for your soul. And, and it's not just some fight that's off in the distance. It's a genuine fight that's like legitimately here in our presence right now. And it's not just some theory we hold off to in, in the distance. Um, and it's just as real as the couches you're sitting on tonight. And what I want to do is I want to try to help us define the battle. So I want us to see what that looks like from the text, from the Bible, and and see that uh, that, that battle for your heart is, is genuinely real. So um, when you woke up this morning before you put your feet on the floor, before you um, walked into your classrooms, before you got anywhere close to um, the things that you are going to be a part of today, um, the enemy was scheming. The enemy was looking for ways to trip you up. The enemy was looking for opportunities to cause you to stumble and to fall. And, um, and here's the thing. Satan does not know the future. The, the enemy does not know the future, but he knows your tendencies. The devil studies all of us. You know, he knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows how to trip you up. He knows where you're going to fall, where you have a tendency to fall, where you've got proclivities to um, just love the things that you shouldn't love. And he'll try to place those things around you to cause you to stumble and fall. And it, it might be your parents. It might be a, a, a sibling. It might be somebody you're dealing with at school. I mean, it might be something that's just, I mean, constantly in your face. Um, But regardless, um, most of us, I think the reason we struggle and most of us, the reason we get the trash kicked out of us, spiritually so speaking, is because we're distracted with the cares and the worries and the stuff of this present world. And we're not even, it's for most of us. When you're, you're walking through the hallways at school, when you're doing the things you're doing, it's not on your radar. Like, it's not on your radar that, man, I need to be waging war on my sin. I need to be making a battle plan on how to overcome the enemy in my life. Because he's going to try to stick things in my life that, are not gonna, that don't belong there. And, and we're distracted with the cares and the worries and the things of this world. And it's not even on our radar that things are going to be coming at us. And I think most of us, um, I think we have good intentions. We have a, maybe a desire to fight these battles, but man, we're, it's when we talk about spiritual warfare, we talk about fighting the, the enemy and, and really going after um, holiness, pursuing righteousness. I think in this room and places like this, we get excited about that idea and we get stoked about the idea of that. But what tends to take place is when we leave this room, Probably not even on by 10 o'clock tonight. You're thinking about something else. You're scrolling through Instagram. You're scrolling through uh, TikTok, whatever you're on. And I I think the biggest part of the battle is you've got to show up. You have to be willing to show up to the battle. And and you have to believe. you You have to undo the lie that Satan has spoken to so many of us. Man, listen, there's not even really a battle you need to worry about. Just enjoy life. Just keep coasting. Keep doing your thing. 
you do you. You guys have heard that, right? You do you. You enjoy your life. You do the things you need to do for your own self and your own sake. And you just live and do your thing. And that's how the enemy gets a lot of us. It's not necessarily with horrible, wicked things, but things just to... Well, I mean, actually, it is a horrible and wicked thing that we ignore the things of God. And so I guess it is horrible and wicked. Um, But the idea here is that Satan uses a lot of good things to keep the best things away from us. And so all the while, um, you're, you're looking around and you have no intentions of pursuing the things of God, looking for the things of God. And... Um, we just we sometimes give into this lie and so what I want us to do is I want us to see that God's given us the weapons to be able to to take the enemy out to be able to not by our own power not by our own might but by the power of God's word and the power of God's blood on the cross we have divine power to be able to break strongholds Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says for though we walk in the flesh we are not waging war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they, are, they have divine powers to be able to destroy strongholds, destroy arguments, and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we are to take every thought captive to obey Christ. So um, when I see this text, that I read this, um, we have the ability to do this. We have the ability to take out the enemy. And the flesh can tend to be something that really pushes in on us um, or every one of us probably struggle with something different um, we have a desire to um, be liked and so maybe that desire to be liked can cause us to maybe push back some of our convictions maybe not say something that we maybe should say in school or not say you know just we, we tend to we tend to stay um, in a safe zone as so many people like to call it a safe zone um and because what will happen is the focus of our lives can tend to shift and change from what is eternal in nature and we turn to what's temporal and we start to get infatuated with things that don't matter things that will not matter in ten thousand years and guys i'm trying to like help us understand that what we're doing in this room, even though there's just a few of us in here, like, like look around at the world. Look at what is taking place in the world right now. The complacency for the things of God. For the, the ideas of knowing who God is, pursuing God with all of our being. And, and it's not a thing. Most of your classmates aren't thinking about Jesus right now, tonight, tomorrow, as they walk through the halls. They're not thinking about Christ. They're not thinking about Christ's return. They're not thinking about living holy lives. They're not thinking about God's word in the pursuit of that. And that's because most of the people that you're going to interact with tomorrow have no eternal hope. They're lost. They're, they're going to hell. And I don't say that with joy in my heart. I say that with grief in my heart because, and I, I don't want to see that. I want to see men and women come to know Jesus and pursue him and love him above all else and, and, to, and to be on fire for him. Um, it's just one of those things that I just, it, it's, it's sad. It, it really is because God's given you and I the power to overcome sin and destroy sin in our lives. But 
I, I think a lot of times what takes place is we, we just don't care. When presented with the opportunity to do what's right as opposed to do what's wrong, then most of us follow our flesh and do what our flesh dictates to us rather than what Christ demands of us. Christ demands we live holy lives and we're just like, eh, okay, I'm going to follow my flesh. And this is where there has to be genuine repentance. There has to be a change of direction in our lives. There has to be a understanding of, listen, God has a standard. I love, I don't know who wrote that question up on the board behind you guys, but it says, what's the number one thing that belief in God saves you from? What's that? Eternal death. Like, but ultimately what it saves you from is the wrath of God. If you have genuine belief in God, it's going to transform your life and it's going to make you look different and it's going to save you from the wrath of God and you will get the mercy of God rather than the wrath of God. The majority of humanity is going to experience the wrath of God. There's only a little bit of humanity that's going to experience the um, salvation of God. According to Matthew chapter 7, listen to this. Go over here and find it. Matthew chapter 7, um, the text tells us here, verse 20, 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father that's in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did you not prophesy in your name? Or did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do many mighty and wondrous works in your name? And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. And if you go up a little bit more in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 14, 13 and 14, it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it will be many. For the gate is narrow and the way is difficult or hard that leads to life everlasting. And there are few that find it. So according to God's word, the bulk of humanity is going to find themselves in the wake of God's wrath as opposed to the comfort of God's mercy. Now, how do we find God's mercy? Because, I mean, I, I, nobody wants, I mean, I got, if you had the conversation with somebody just off the street and said, hey, would you, would you rather have God's mercy or God's wrath? And I can guarantee you a hundred times out of a hundred, most people are going to say, man, I want the mercy of God. I do not want the wrath. I, I want the mercy of God. And we want that, that like our instinctual desire for self-preservation kicks in. We're like, yeah, of course, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want God's wrath. I want God's mercy. How how do we find that? How do we we find and and be able to have God's mercy as opposed to God's wrath? Um, I, I think that's a genuinely, I mean, it's a question that needs to be answered. And it comes in Matthew chapter 24. I mean, we'll go a couple different places, but Matthew chapter 24 um, gives us sort of kind of a, an indication here as to who and, and what um, Hold on. That's what happens when I don't when I fire from the hip. And don't, yeah, pew pew. 
want to fire from the want to fire from the hip here. Um, I'm thinking it's maybe 16. Hold on. Yeah, sorry. Matt, I knew 24 was in there. Matthew 16, verse 24. Jesus says to his disciples, if anyone wants to come after me, so if you want to be my disciple, Luke, and Luke defines this better. He says, if you want to be my disciple, so Matthew says, if you want to come after me, if you want to be my disciple, here's what has to happen. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross and you have to follow me. For the one who saves his life will lose it. But the one who loses his life for my sake will find it. For what's it going to profit a man if he gains the entire world, but he forfeits his soul? So, like, we've got this, we've got this mandate from the Lord. He says, if you want to be my disciple, this is what it's going to look like. You're going to deny yourself. Not only are you going to deny yourself, you're going to take death to yourself. You're going to, you're going to wage war against your sin. So this idea that comes back in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, where we have these weapons that we can destroy strongholds. We can obliterate the enemy's plans in our lives. We have the ability to destroy arguments and agreements that have been that have stepped into our lives. People, uh, how many of you guys have heard somebody? Well, I was just born this way, so this is why I do what I do. This is the the reason I I act the way I act. The way or the reason I have the attitude that I have. The reason I make the life choices that I make is because I was born a particular way. You guys heard that? <laughs> right yeah we hear that often right we hear so many so many different people say and, and it's all throughout culture it's all throughout social media i was born this way so this is just how i am well the scripture gives us a very clear indication that yes you were born sinful so i'll, I'll yes and amen you you were born this way but that doesn't the scripture says you may have been born this way but you've got to be born again if you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven you've got to be born a second time, not of blood and water, but of the spirit. You've got to be born a second time. You've got to be born again. And that only comes through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And so if you want to be a follower of Christ, you've got to, you've got to come to the end of yourself. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to put death to your sins and you've got to follow. You have to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. And then sometimes that's difficult. Sometimes being obedient can be difficult because we have fleshly desires that we want to, to, I want to do my thing. I want to be a part of what I want to be a part of. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ gives us a very clear indication and picture here that we cannot do these things. We have, if we want to say and follow and, 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 and do what Christ has called us to do, we have to take death to ourselves. In fact, um, Luke chapter 14 goes a little bit further into the idea here. Luke chapter 14 says, I'll, I'll tell you this, um, salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's neither good for the soil or for the manure pile. It's only good to be thrown out. Those who have ears, let them hear. Um, there's a cost to discipleship. This is, this is the, you want to hear the cost? This is according to Luke. This is Jesus talking in Luke chapter 14. This is the cost of discipleship. Um, if anyone, does, if anyone comes after me and does not hate his own father, his mother, his wife, his children, his brother, his sister, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my, cannot be my disciple. So Jesus gives us a very, listen, 
the love that you have for me is going to be so intense, so consuming that it's you're gonna look, it's gonna look like you hate everyone else around you. It's gonna look like you hate everyone else around you. And that like that's heavy. That's thick. That's big. But Jesus goes on further and says in verse 33 of Luke chapter 14, Therefore, anyone who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Like, to me, I look at that and I'm just blown away by this text. And I look at my study notes. It says, only those willing to carefully assess the cost and invest all they had in the kingdom were worthy to enter the kingdom. This speaks of something far more than mere ab- um, abandonment of one's material possessions. It's an absolute unconditional surrender. Uh, Jesus' disciples were permitted to retain no privileges and make no demands. They were, safe, uh, there were, they were to safeguard no cherished sins, treasure no earthly possessions, and cling to no secret self-indulgences. The commitment to him must be without reservation. Wow. Like that's, that's big. Like that's huge. That's a different kind of thing. And that's the reason Jesus says, follows it up in verse 34, says salt is good because in Matthew, remember we're called what? The salt of the earth, right? Salt of the earth, your city on the hill. And so if you're a salt, if you're, you as a believer are salt, Verse 34 says, salt is good, so it's good to be a Christian. But if your salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? So here's the big thing. You want to think about a deep thought here. Because there are certain people, there are certain denominations that think that you can lose your salvation. Like, I can lose my salvation. If I do something, I can lose that salvation. Um, This text just here, right, just reading that one, verse 34, tears that apart. Salt is good, but if it loses its taste, if it loses its Christian, how shall its saltiness be restored? It can't, verse 35. It is of no further use for the soil or for the manure pile. It has to be thrown out. Man, once you're in Christ, you're in. You're set, you're sealed. The scripture says you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Like you don't get out. You're, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Um, let me, I got a, I got a quote from J.I. Packer that I think would be helpful for you guys. Uh, I just got to pull it up here. Uh, your faith will not fail while God sustains it. You are not strong enough to fall away while God is resolved to hold you. That is such a good thought. Like that is so powerful to know that our God is strong enough to hold on to us. But this idea is full abandonment. Christ has called us to, to, to destroy everything. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it tells us that we are to take every thought captive. And how is that done? Well, we've got to walk in the Spirit. Galatians Chapter 5, verse 16 through 21. We've got to walk in the Spirit. We've got to say no to our flesh and walk in the Spirit. We must immerse ourselves. Number one thing we've got to do in order to walk in the Spirit is you and I have to immerse ourselves into the Word of God. Like, it, not just opening it up here or on Sundays. 
Like you've got to open the text and you've got to read it and you've got to let the word do its work in your heart. Because Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Period. That's how faith comes. You want to know how to get faith? Immerse yourself in God's word. And if if you're going to win the battles against your sin, if you want to fight the battles of your sin, you have to immerse yourself in the word of God. And that's like, that's the only weapon you've got, but it's the only weapon you need. Amen. Like that's it. Absolutely. So every part of Ephesians chapter six, talking about um, putting on the full armor of God. I, I challenge you guys tonight when you get home, go through and just read Ephesians chapter six. Just take your time and read Ephesians chapter six. Every part of that uh, armor is essential for you to be able to, to win the battle, period. And <laughs> if you don't, if I don't, we will become statistics. If we do not take this seriously and we do battle against our sin nature, against the things of the world, you and I will become statistics. We have to be prepared. We must be prepared. Um, I, I had a friend or I have a friend who was in two tours in Afghanistan. Like, you know, the Afghanistan's in the news right now. We literally have lost the war on terror because we've... We have to do a Yeah, it's just like... So I had a friend who did two tours over there. He was in, just... He told me, man, we were on it. Like, we were constantly aware of what was going on around our surroundings. Even when we were sleeping, we were ready to, ready to go. Like, we could pop up at any moment and we were ready to fight. If he had not been prepared, if he had not been trained and studied his things that he needed to study, knew his weapon well, then the enemy would have taken him out. But he knew his weapon. He knew his surroundings. He knew what was going on. And he was prepared to do battle. And the point is, is we've got to be about the business of putting Christ in the forefront of our lives. And we have to reflect him in our lives. Or we're going to be in trouble. And here's the thing. I know that this is a difficult thing to hear. Trust me. I, as a pastor, know that this is difficult. But this is where the fellowship of the church comes into play. Being in a community of believers that love you, that are willing to pray for you, that are willing to um, invest in you. We are to walk together in this journey, encouraging, challenging, and holding each other accountable. To, to pursue holiness, to pursue righteousness, to pursue God's word. And you say, but... I hear you about the idea of being accountable, but I have friends that say, oh, hey, keep me accountable. And then you say, hey, I'm going to keep you accountable. And they're like, why are you being so judgmental? You guys had that one? But why are you being so judgmental? We need to be about keeping each other accountable. James chapter four. Let me read this to you real quick. We're almost done. James chapter 4, listen to this, verse 7 and 8. Submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil and he will flee and draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and let your joy be turned to gloom. Humble yourselves therefore before the, the mighty hand of the Lord and he will exalt you. Like this idea here is, listen... When you immerse yourself in God's word, you've got to be willing to submit yourself to God's word. And that can sometimes be a difficult thing here. Our, our, our churches 
need to be investing in ministries that say, okay, we're going to immerse ourselves in God's word. We're going to pour over God's word and we're going to submit. And as a result of submitting to God's word, then we can resist the devil in all his schemes, all his fights, all his stuff. And then we will be able to flee from the enemy. We'll be able to flee from him. We've got to draw near to God. And he'll draw near to us. Repent, cleansing. We cleanse our hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. How do we do that? Through repentance. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you, to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. Like that's, I love that. So our response to this is maybe you're here tonight and you're, you're like, man, I, I've been going through some stuff and, and, I, and I hear that Jesus is real. I hear that he loves me. What do I do with that? How, how do I go? How do I go? What happens? What's, how do I get a genuine, authentic relationship? The thing that's separating you from a genuine, real, authentic relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is your sin. And you've got to repent and ask Jesus to forgive you. What is the number one thing that belief in God saves you from? God's wrath. And you've got to have belief that is genuine, is real, is biblically founded. You, you've got to. You've got to confess. You've got to repent. And here's the thing, you and I, I think everybody in the room, I, I know us pretty well, that we have a desire to want to know Christ. But I think our biggest issue is, is being bold in the places where we are, standing solid for what Christ has called us to stand for. And, and we're going to have to um, repent of that and say, God, forgive me where I've not been bold. Forgive me where I've not stood strong for your word. Give me the strength to stand solid for your word. And that's when he's going to step in. And that's when he's going to, um, with a humble heart, humble yourselves, therefore, before the Lord, and he will exalt you. That's the beauty of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ is, 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 is just simply humbling yourself and he exalts. Don't try to exalt yourself, but humble yourself and then let God do the rest. And it's going to change your life, guys. I can promise you that. It's going to change your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. God, I pray that you you give us the strength to, to live in such a way that we would be waging war on our sins and not making peace with our sin, that we would be pursuing you above all else and loving you above all else. Thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy and your love for us. Help us as we continue to go through school, work, the things we've got to do. Father, give us the wisdom and, and the protection to do that. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.